This is a Woodside Church podcast. Good morning, church. Oh, sorry, there is something that happens on this stage where all the fluid from your mouth disappears. So, one sec. Right, um, this morning we're continuing the series we started last week in 1 Peter called Living Strong. And today's talk is titled Temporary Residence. But before I go on to read the text, There is a word in that text that we are going to spend a chunk of time on, nearly half my preach this morning on one word. Don't worry, we're not going the whole thing word for word. But one word matters, and I'm going to read it, and I wonder if anyone can spot what that one word is. And there may be a chocolate bar if somebody gets it, so just put that out there. And I I should have put the chocolate bar later to keep you guys paying attention for longer, but here we are. Um, So... If you have your Bibles with you, could you turn with me to 1 Peter 1? Um, And if not, don't worry, the screen will show the words. We're reading verses 13 to 25 today in the first chapter. Right. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that we brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Amen. Anyone want to guess what our word is? Holy is a great word, but not the word. Go on then. Exile, no, it is written to the people living in exile, so it would have been good. I'm going to... Revelation. All very good words. The problem here is you've all got a bit too holy for me. (laughs) I've got a bit more Webster's Dictionary. You've got a bit more the Bible. Um, uh, Huh? Fear, Fear, good word. No, we will come to fear, though, so you get like half a chocolate for that. Um, Our word this morning, to start us off then, is therefore. I know. I'll be honest, I'm keeping the chocolate bar as a reward for me. Um, Verse 13 starts, therefore. Therefore is an important word for us to pause at. It means something. It means that everything we're about to read comes in the context of what we have already read. Um, We can't move forward until we know what was, and I'm proud of this wordplay, before the therefore. I really thought that would get more of a cheer. Fine. Um, (laughs) So, if you were here last week when Martin was preaching, um, Martin took us through verses 1 to 12, and we're now at 13 
to 25, and he talked about the opening of Peter's letter. Peter is writing to Christians living in exile and in persecution, and he is bringing them words of encouragement to strengthen their Christian lives. Um, And as Martin shared, Peter starts his letter by reminding his readers of three things. One, we belong to another kingdom. Two, we are known and chosen by God. And three, we are made holy by the Spirit. Now, these three things together talk about a salvation that has happened in Christ for us, a salvation work that is happening within us through our partnering with the Spirit, and the secure salvation hope we have yet to come in God's kingdom. So as we live in foreigners on this earth and amongst the culture that surrounds us, we have to anchor ourselves in this truth. We are those who have been chosen and saved by Christ. We've been purchased with his blood and now belonging to his family are partnering in his mission. This talk is titled Temporary Residence because our home is in our Father's house and our hearts are to be set on heaven. But whilst we remain on earth, Peter is providing a practical outworking of that salvation for us. Everything that comes next comes as a response to the grace of our salvation through Christ. This is not about earning our salvation, but it's about honoring it and being strengthened by it. We should not move on from our salvation unchanged. Peter encourages us to lay down our former ignorance. We are to live distinctively different lives. Freedom and strength come in living our lives as God has directed us to, in laying aside our former selves, our ignorance, our desires, and trusting that our Heavenly Father knows what is best for us. Peter knows um, that the first danger to us as believers is that if we forget who we are as God's chosen people, if we forget that we are only temporary residents in this world. And the original readers of this letter weren't the first or the last to need reminding of this fact. One of my favorite passages in the whole of Scripture comes in Numbers 11, partly because it mentions cucumbers, which are mentioned three times in the Old Testament. Fun fact. Um, The people of God, the Israelites at this point, have been saved from slavery in Egypt. God has performed miracle after miracle for them. He has marked them as his own. He has parted the sea for them, provided them a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night, literal manna from heaven for them to eat. But they get tired, probably a bit bored. They become accustomed to their daily miracle, and the Bible says they start to complain They remember in Egypt how they had, they say they had fish to eat and cucumber at no cost. They say at no cost. Their cost was slavery to the Egyptians, but they want cucumber again. Um, And I stand there and I think, I read it, I'm like, if I had been saved from slavery in Egypt, I wouldn't forget it. But we do, because we have been saved from slavery. We were slaves to sin, the Bible tells us. We are now slaves to righteousness. And this is what Peter needs us to know before we read on, that we had once been anchored and pulled toward sin, but we are now, by the blood of Christ, anchored in and pulled toward righteousness, like a wonky shopping trolley that kind of leads you off. We've been realigned back to what we were made for. We're made to be aligned with Christ. So how should this temporary resident status outwork itself in our lives? Well, firstly, Peter tells us to be holy. Feels like a a high ask, eh? Um, Verse 15 and 16 we read, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. 
Now remember what came before our therefore. Because you belong to another kingdom, because you are known and chosen by God, because you are made holy by the Spirit, therefore be holy. Peter goes on later in this letter to describe the church as a holy priesthood and a holy nation. He calls us holy and he calls us to be holy. Hebrews 10 verse 14 says, For one sacrifice he, God, has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. You cannot make yourself perfect before God. Christ has done that for you. Thank you, Lord. But now, church, go out into your lives and go on being holy. This is the spirit at work in us. It's the reoccurring motif in these verses. Peter calls us to be holy in all of our conduct. So this is more than just Sundays. This is about the transformation of our salvation and how it should change how we work and walk through our entire world, not just how we practice our religion. How do we know then what holy looks like? Well, Peter tells us that God is our blueprint for holiness. We are to imitate our Father. Children learn how to navigate the way through the world, how to act and respond in situations, how to be by imitating their parents. My youngest daughter, Rosie, um, prime example of this, she imitates me constantly. The other day, I was in the kitchen and they were in the front room and I could hear this conversation happening where my two daughters and my husband were playing cafes and Rosie turned to Rich, my husband, and said to him, "Uh, Daddy, we're the customers, Uh, you're my husband and your name is Rich. So, yeah, not a huge ask of him, very much within his range of acting skills. Um, And then she said to him, and my name is Debs, and I'm your wife. And she bless her, my heart, she had constructed an entire scenario in which she got to pretend to be me and play at being me. And she's always done this. She'll find a box lying around and open it up and type away on it and say, I'm mummy doing work. And full credit to her, few people understand what my job is outside of typing on a keyboard, so... No, it's not bad. Um, Once we found her with black pen all over her face, and when we asked her why, she said she had been doing her makeup. Um, Everyone is a critic, but I feel like my makeup is better than that. (laughs) Um, But this is what kids do. They imitate their parents. They act out being grown up so they can figure out how that looks. So if we are imitating our Heavenly Father in every area of our lives, holiness will look like incarnational living. We were made in the image and the likeness of God. So what is God like? Well, the Bible tells us about the character of our Father God. It tells us he is just, he is merciful, he is wise, he is strong, he is slow to anger, he is abiding in love, he is majestic, he is mighty, so much more. Holy living is about developing a character within us, a pattern of thought and heart that enables us to make wise choices to honour the commandments of our faith, to practise spiritual disciplines, and to be examples of Christ in a hurting world. And to live this way, we need to be in our Bible. We need to be learning who our Father is, watching him like a child watches their parent, so that we can imitate him. We need to give everything over to God in prayer, laying down our own desires, and aligning our hearts with his heart. We need to ask the Spirit for strength to live holy lives in line with the holiness given to us by our Saviour. And I just have one caution on this point. This is not holy living, not about superiority over those around us. As we're about to discuss, we are nobody's judge. Our holiness 
it should draw people in to the church. It should not send out a sense of condemnation and shame their way. Holy living is something that is attractive and pulls people towards us. So, be holy. Secondly, Peter tells us to be reverent. Verse 17 says, And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Conduct yourselves with fear. Proverbs tells us that fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It is the beginning of understanding. It is the starting point of our faith to know who God is. Fear of the Lord. Peter is looking to strengthen and encourage us here in our faith. He is reminding us to treat God with the reverence that he deserves. Our God is holy. Our God is blinding light on the top of a mountain holy. He is, without Christ, unapproachable holiness. But we, as Peter states, were ransomed by the precious blood of Christ and therefore are able to enter into this relationship. We deserved judgment. We deserve death and eternal separation from God, but our freedom was brought at a high, high cost. As we stood helpless in our sin, Christ died on a cross, taking on our sin and shame so that we could be adopted into God's family, so that we could call him Father. Do you know what you were saved from? Have you grasped it? Have you spent time regularly reminding yourself that you were pulled from the miry pit? God is multifaceted. Yes, he is our loving father, he is our brother in Christ, our comforter in the spirit, but he is also our judge. God alone will judge the nations. James chapter 4 verse 12 says there is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. Our God, the judge, able to save and to destroy. Do you enter the moments of your life with an awareness of who your God is? his power, his might, his holiness, what, he deserve, what you deserve, sorry, and what he has saved you from? And does this change how you navigate your way through the world? I grew up in New Frontiers, um, very much grew up in the evangelical charismatic church, and I love it. But I think something I have realized as I've grown is that sometimes we have a tendency, to, as we rightfully run away from legalism and towards grace, to leave behind a bit of that fear of the Lord. Um, I remember the first time I went to my husband's church, he grew up in a C of E church, and they have a, an area at the back where the choir sit, and it's all very grand and daunting. And I said to him, like, what's that bit for? And he just turned to me and went, oh, yeah, that's, that's where God lives. And I was like, oh. <laughs> it clearly was winding me up. But there is a sense in those churches of the fear of the Lord, of the reverence of God. You know, I love singing songs about God's love and his joy and how he's a good, good God. But I find that we're less inclined sometimes to sing about his power and his justice and his judgment. And I don't know how we do that more. I don't know how we bring that into what we do. But I know that, you know, I like the verses about Christ the Lamb. I like the verses about his saving grace for me. And I'm a bit shy sometimes of the one about the lion. I'm a bit shy of the verses of destruction and death and judgment. But that's how God, all of it together is our God. Fear of the Lord is holding within our hearts and our motivations an awareness of the power, might, strength, brilliance, and purity of our God, and remembering that our freedom to enter into this relationship with him came at great cost to God, not to us. 
Our salvation is, is secure because it was purchased, as Peter says, through an imperishable offering. And this is the God who fights for us. So we are to have lives that are marked by the fear of the Lord, and it's a fear that strengthens us and emboldens us. So be holy, be reverent, and thirdly, Peter calls us to be loving. So verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. We need to be careful with this bit. The start of this verse is a really good example of why we needed to dwell in the therefore. These words can and have been misapplied to suggest that we can earn our salvation in some way. So it's important here to address the difference between justification and sanctification. As I mentioned earlier, Martin talked about sanctification last week um, when he was preaching on the opening of this letter. Because in verse 2, Peter says, the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience of Jesus Christ. Sanctification is us working in partnership with the Holy Spirit for the ongoing transformation of our lives as believers. Justification is God's declaration that we have been made righteous through Jesus. So as we said, this kind of reoccurring theme through this letter of you have been saved, you are in a work of being saved, and you have a salvation awaiting you. So our salvation is a done deal. But our sanctification, our transformation towards holiness by our obedience to the truth should lead us to love one another sincerely and earnestly with a pure heart. And that is an ongoing work. Um, There'll be people in this room today who you had a salvation moment where your life was completely different and you met Christ and the next day things changed for you. But for a lot of us, that isn't necessarily how that went. And I grew up always knowing Jesus. And so I haven't My life didn't change overnight. I have led a life where my Heavenly Father has steered me and guided me more and more towards the person he called me to be. And that's what this is. It's this ongoing, daily conversation between us and our Father of how can I be serving you better? How can I be loving you better? What in my life, Lord? Examine me. Know my heart. What needs to change? And through that, we are to be loving to one another. Peter is choosing to remind us that we love because God first loved us. Once again, he is our blueprint for how we do this. Before the death of Christ, Peter was leaning towards a zealot life. It is Peter who cut off the ear of the Roman soldier who came to arrest Christ. He was angry. He was ready for a holy war, ready to go to battle. But Jesus told him, put your sword away. Peter learned as he witnessed Christ's victory over death, that sin was and will continue to be won through, again, sorry, through extravagant self-sacrificial love. That is our battle. A message he is now passing on to the readers of this letter. Love one another sincerely with pure hearts. We so often hear 1 Corinthians uh, verse, chapter 13, verses 4 to 7, read at weddings. And don't worry, I'm not trying to sneak a 1 Corinthians preach into my 1 Peter preach. Um, but... Just for today, let's look at these words quickly and try and consider um, how this is not in marital love, but in the way that we relate to one another and live together as brothers and sisters. So, can we be patient and kind 
not jealous or boastful or proud or rude in our interactions with each other, not demanding of our own way, not irritable, but quick to give the gift of forgiveness, rejoicing only in truth, never giving up or losing faith in one another, but always hopeful and enduring through every circumstance. How distinctive we would look from the world around us if we loved people like this. In a culture that loves love, this culture we're in loves love, but it looks for it in all the wrong places. And we have something true and healing to offer the world in this love. And can I just um, encourage you guys now, if you are sat there thinking, there is a person in this room who has loved me like this, who has loved me well, without judgment, with patience, with kindness, or a person outside of this room who has done that for you, please contact them today and encourage them in that, because this doesn't come easy. Being holy, being reverent, loving one another, it is a work, and we need to encourage each other as brothers and sisters to keep pressing into doing these things. And so, as we live as temporary residents on earth, we become distinctive as those who are living for a greater hope, and we become a light in the dark. God always, from Genesis on, intended for his people to be set apart, holy and distinctive. Does your life look distinctive to those who don't know God? Are you holy, reverent, and loving in all of your conduct? And remember that all of this is anchored in that you belong to another kingdom, you are known and chosen by God, and made holy by the Spirit. This is not through your own strength. That song was fantastic today. Not I, but Christ in me. The Holy Spirit in the process of transformation within us. What Peter isn't saying is be perfect, but the Bible speaks very clearly that we should have changed lives as a response to our salvation. There is not a word of instruction in Peter's letter that isn't tied tightly to the good news of salvation. Verse 13, 13 says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, Set your hope fully on the grace that we brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 18 to 21. Knowing that you were ransomed from futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. And then verse 23, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Amen. And finally, Peter ends by reminding us of our temporary resident status. Verses 24 to 25, the end of this first chapter in his letter says, For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. His encouragement here is that the circumstances we are in are temporary. The battles we fight are temporary. All things will wither and fall and fade and be gone except 
the word of the Lord, which is our salvation and our future hope. COVID will end. Praise Lord. Our personal struggles will end. Bedford will end. We are temporary in our bodies and in this time. And whilst we are called to live a life that honours our salvation and shows the hope of Christ to others, we are also to live in the confidence of those who know that their home is eternal with Christ. So in the light of your salvation and with your hopes set in heaven, be holy, be reverent and be loving, church. I'd just like to pray for us before we finish. Father God, I thank you for the gift of salvation, your lavish grace upon us. I thank you that we stand forgiven and pure, clothed and covered, purchased by the blood of Christ, adopted into your family. I pray you will make in each of us a new way, Lord. I ask you, God, that your Holy Spirit would fill each person in this room now, Lord, that we would choose to partner with your Spirit in the work of sanctifying ourselves through obedience to you. Teach us to do what is pleasing to you, Lord. Would we find strength today as we are reminded that our home is secure and set in your kingdom? As those who have been made perfect forever through Christ, help us, Lord, to live holy lives that honour you as we care and love one another. Your word says that these three things remain, faith, hope and love. May our faith be strengthened as we fear the Lord, our hope be secured in the promise of heaven, and love mark our lives. Amen. Thank you, guys. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.